Hey, we are continuing, actually concluding our series called uh, uh, about the ancient festivals within Judaism on their annual calendar. And so today is Yom Kippur. Hopefully, your gratitude journals has been a, hope, uh, has been a, a useful, helpful discipline as we take note of the many things we are grateful for. So this is the highest of the Jewish festivals, Yom Kippur. It's explained in Leviticus chapter 23. This is the word of the Lord. The Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month, which in case you're wondering when that is in this pasture, it was the end of October. So the Lord said to Moses, the tenth day of the seventh month is the day of atonement. Hold a sacred assembly and deny yourselves and present a food offering to the Lord. Do not do any work on that day because it is the day of atonement when atonement is made for you before the Lord your God. Those who do not deny themselves on that day must be cut off from the people. I will destroy from among their people anyone who does any work on that day. You shall do no work at all. This is to be a lasting ordinance for the generation to come, wherever you live. It is a day of Sabbath rest for you, and you must deny yourselves. From the evening of the ninth day of the month until the following evening, you must observe your Sabbath. This is the word of the Lord. So last week, uh, Pastor Sean did a, introduced to us a metaphor. Uh, he spoke on Jubilee, the time when all debts were forgiven within Israel. It was after seven cycles of seven years. On the 50th year, it's a year of Jubilee, and it's to, to culminate in the forgiveness of all debt. So any debt accrued, anyone who is in indentured servitude, would be set free, liberated from that. It was a time of, of resetting. And the image that Sean gave us, which I thought was really helpful, is the image of a snowball rolling down a hill. So he, it's a little hard at the end, because at the end, the snowball crashes on a town. You're like, that's bad. Generally speaking, it's called an avalanche. But imagine it's like a, the good kind of avalanche. What happens that a small bowl, ball rolls down a hill, gets larger and larger, gathers more, and more, you guys know about snowballs, right? <laughs> Should I just talk to my friends from Grand Rapids over here? <laughs> it grows and gets bigger and bigger as it rolls down the hill, accumulating more. The question is, if Jubilee is the goal, what are the habits that we can form now so that Jubilee not only becomes possible, but inevitable? How can we make it as a people so that it is inevitable, that we are moving towards forgiveness, reconciliation, so that the, what we've received from God is the very thing we extend outward into the community. So, let me ask you that. Let's say we've got a jubilee coming up, uh, actually next year. So we'll, we'll say in 51 years. So next jubilee, we'll make that the goal. What can we do? What habits would be put in place so that in 51 years, a jubilee, a time of forgiveness, liberation, um, can, fresh, clean economic start with everybody? What would have to begin, what habits would begin to get us there? Well, um, I think like any growth snowball, I think it would begin with small things. One of the things that Sean mentioned last week was Sabbath, weekly rest. Next one is the one that I'm going to talk about today, Jubilee. Every year you experience a fresh renewal of God's mercy, a day of confession. And if you think about 2,600 days of rest, 50 days of atonement, 
building and building so that the mercy we've been given, the rest we've received, are extended outward into the community. Um, so what has to happen? Because it's hard to imagine a liberation like that from debt. Imagine if credit card companies were compelled to, or student loans were forgiven, or mortgages, or whatever different forms of debt there are. What would happen in a society so that that becomes not only possible, but inevitable? What radical vision of mercy and forgiveness would begin to form and take shape? How would we, how would we get there? Um, you know, Yom Kippur is part of how Israel was trained and prepared to give the year of Jubilee. That as we were, as, as God's people every year would celebrate the highest of the Jewish holidays, the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur. It begins with a fast. When sun goes down on Friday night on the Day of Atonement, uh, you stopped eating, you um, denied any and all sexual activity. It was a day of rest, and it was a day of repentance. There's time for prayers, of confessing, confessing sins, of resting. Let any, lest anyone think, well, I can do some good right now, maybe to offset, like, as if the scales or some kind of cosmic scales of the bad things you did, the good things you did, and Day of Atonement, it's like cramming for a test, where you do as many good things as you can so you can bump up that score. What God commands as part of the Day of Atonement, Sabbath, rest. Cease your doing, cease your striving, eat no food, and spend 24 hours of prayer and repentance. Imagine a world where an entire nation, every year, spent a day where there was no working, there was, there was only repentance together. And not just repentance, because it's repentance knowing that mercy awaited, that whatever you confess that day, would be driven out of, out, out of your life forever. What would it look like for if we all just said, this is, this is the day of atonement, this is the day of forgiveness, this is a day where whatever we confess, God promises to forgive us. What would it look like? Uh, and part of, part of what it looks like, according to many of the rabbinical teaching, is the reminder that God can't forgive you on behalf of a neighbor that you've harmed. So it was not only a day of, of prayer and repentance to God, it was also a day of confessing to one another that you, whatever harm you had brought to a neighbor, it was a day of reconciliation, knowing the next day it would all be forgiven. It's a preparation for Jubilee, because you know in Jubilee, all the debts are forgiven. So if you have this one day, this is, this is the year of Jubilee, whatever debts you present are forgiven, you would like call Blockbuster, you would say, hey, I think I have some rewind fees I haven't paid. You call your uh, elementary school and say, I know I lost that Judy Bloom book. I confess it now. I, I can't imagine what the fines are at this point in time, uh, but this is a get-out-of-jail card. This is the day when everything's forgiven. You would be foolish not to find any, any debt anywhere you could find it because this is your chance to bring it to the light, to bring it before knowing that it's going to be fully forgiven. And Yom Kippur is the day where you confess everything, large and small, bad actions, good actions with a bad attitude, bad actions with a bad attitude, whatever, whatever it is, you confessed it. And 
it's not just a time of confessing your personal sins, it's a time of confessing national sins, corporate sins, sins of your culture, of your time, of, of your government. Whatever there is, it's a get out of jail, it is better to confess things that end up being like not that big of a deal or, or than it is to say like, well, uh, I'm gonna, you know, they deserved what happened, you know, they deserved that bomb, for example. That's why I tried to think of another word, but I couldn't. So they deserve that bomb. I don't need to be, I don't need to forget us for that. It's better to say, I would rather repent on behalf of, of making mistakes as a nation than I would in, in letting it go and slide because I know this is the day it's all going to be forgiven. Jubilee, <clears throat> oh, I know that was anachronistic, so whatever, the, whatever that was 3,000 years ago, that was equivalent to that. Um, <clears throat> it would be foolish to let pride hide anything that needed to be repented from the living God. What happens when everyone on the same day confesses their sins? What would it be like if whole country, if, if everybody in the country just stopped their ceasing? Stop their ceasing? How can you stop ceasing? I can't cease stopping. Uh, those, those don't make any sense. Um, sorry, my brain's a little bit, I'm, I'm fighting a little something, so I'm a little bit foggy. Um, so, what would happen if everyone joined in corporate confession? What would it be like if grandparents were teaching grandchildren, this is the day of atonement. This is the day, whatever you say, whatever attitudes, whatever seems petty to you, it's, we present it to God knowing that he'll be merciful. What would it be like if it wasn't just the 40th generation Israelites, but the, the refugee living among them? That said, today is a day of corporate national repentance. There's no working. We're all together unified, young, old, people that have lived here and born here, people that are immigrants, together, all of us confess our sin. How deep would those connections be? It, to be oriented in, in our need for repentance and going from neighbor to neighbor, the sense the Spirit of God is about to take these burdens off of us. There's a freedom, there's a lightness coming, just as a feast awaits us to break, let the, break this fast and eat food together as a community, so too are we going to be given a new start with the living God. How connected would you feel? How, what would the bonds be like uh, between one another? How does this snowball grow larger and larger so that Jubilee on the 50th year becomes not only possible but inevitable? It's all leading to this. We receive God's mercy. We seek to be reconciled to one another knowing that every year that goes by that we are becoming more and more shaped by people in need of mercy. It's what God said to his people, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I was thinking about a cultural equivalent that we might have, and, and the closest I could come up with was New Year's. You know, every year, New Year's is like, oh, fresh, you know, New Year, new me, let's start. But, um, you know, I, I actually think New Year's resolutions are the opposite of the Day of Atonement. Because in a New Year's resolution, I think, is just classic American works righteousness. I'm just one habit away from getting it just right. I just... This is the year I finally shed those five, ten pounds and get back uh, the, the body that I had in my youthfulness, um, that we're just one or two habits away from, from happiness. It, it focuses on being better. The inward focus is in a, uh, a resolve to be better and to do better, which is the opposite of repentance. That's, that's appealing to our will. That, th that overestimates our ability. By the way, how... How are you doing with your New Year's resolutions? I haven't, I haven't checked in on a, in a while. 
Uh, we are, you know, six more weeks to go, and it's a new year. How are you doing with them? That's the point, right? I don't even remember what mine are. They certainly did not deeply embed themselves in, that, in a way that produces character and change within me. Uh, Yom Kippur, as uh, writer and theologian Scott McKnight said, Yom Kippur is the day Israel told the truth about itself. It's the day where God's people got together to speak the truth and to say to God, we need your mercy. We've fallen short. We've sinned. We need your mercy. In a community, confessing it together, going out in, on the street, seeing their neighbor and knowing we are all unified together and about to receive God's mercy and forgiveness. Aaron, the high priest, Moses' brother, was the first to implement this command of, of Yom Kippur. And, and what he did, and what still is done in certain parts of Israel, is the scapegoat is selected. So there'd be two goats, they'd cast lots, and uh, one would be sacrificed, uh, and then the other would be the scapegoat. And what Aaron did is he would take this, the, the goat outside of town, outside of the camp of Israel, he'd put his hands on the head of the goat, and confess all the sins of Israel onto the goat. And what this symbolized or did for Israel is all the sins that were part of this shared confession of Israel where Aaron as the high priest would take all those confessions and bring them and place them on the head of the goat and then would drive the goat outside of town and return with Israel's sin placed on the, on the back of this goat, the goat cast in the wilderness, never to return again. You know, it's a, it's a symbol of Christ, right? Christ took sin upon himself, sin that was not his, sins that, that um, we, he took upon his flesh. And then where was Christ placed after the crucifixion? He's placed outside of that town, which begs the question, at the end of Yom Kippur, you're celebrating, you've got this fresh start, it's night, Saturday night, the, you're finally breaking fast, you're eating, um, you're deeply bonding connected, and then all of a sudden somebody says, guys, a goat just wandered into town. Is that the scapegoat? <laughs> what do we do now? Like, what, what happens now? They bring the sins back at Like, the goat's like, hey, I'm not the one who had those thoughts or did those things. Like, don't, don't, don't put that on me. Like, what, what is happening here? You know, which is why when... when after Christ's crucifixion, what he said when he returned as the scapegoat of God's people, he said, peace be with you. Your sins died in my flesh. I've got a new body. I come to you bringing peace. How much more do we who know Christ have to, to celebrate? And how much free are we to share and confess our sins before God and, and also with one another? How much more do we who have the atonement in Christ how much freer are we to confess our sins to one another? You know, at the center of Yom Kippur, my last point, rest. You are to rest. Forgiveness is God's activity. Your activity is to rest and to receive God's forgiveness. There isn't ceremonial washing. There isn't other, other ceremonies that you could be doing to symbolize that. It's just repent and rest and wait for a fresh wind of God's mercy to blow in Israel again. Just be. Confess, confess knowing that you will receive mercy. Do you think there's a connection between mercy and rest? And do you think 
a lot of our unrest is because we've forgotten. We are people who need mercy, and we're, we're people who need to show mercy. So much of, well, let me start privately. How do you sleep when you have a broken relationship? When there's something you know that you have a big fight and it's an important person and you try to sleep and you're laying awake either if you're like me, thinking of all the things I could have just said just right to show him how right I was or whatever it is. You don't sleep well. Now, let me ask you this question. If I were to ask you, how are you doing today? I would bet you would say, I'm busy. And I'm busy is another way of saying, I'm really tired. I wonder if we live, because chronic lack of sleep and rest is endemic of our culture and time, I wonder how much of that is because we don't know how to receive mercy and we don't know how to give mercy. And the question of what can we be doing now to prepare ourselves for another presidential election next year? What can we be doing? What habits can we be forming within ourselves knowing we're going to need mercy? We're going to need to show mercy to one another. We're going to need to bring mercy into a world that is becoming increasingly hostile and less capable of extending mercy to people that we don't agree with. At the heart of Yom Kippur is mercy. And the way we prepare ourselves for mercy is being rested. It's, I began with the question, how can people be so formed and shaped that when jubilee comes and forgiveness comes, that it's not only possible, it's actually inevitable. Everybody, everything's been leading to a place of forgiveness and reconciliation. This is where it starts, receiving God's mercy and God's forgiveness, that we might become merciful and forgiving people. As God said, and I quote him once again, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. I don't need dead animals. I need people who are merciful. I need people who have my very heart within them and show one another mercy that I've given them to each other. Jesus told a story of a servant who was received this unimaginable debt. It, the, the, the Greek word for the debt is kajillion, that this person had a kajillion dollar debt that, this, that could not be repaid, and it was forgiven. Then he went and found people that owed him money and began to strangle them and beat them and demand repayment for their debts towards him. And when the one who had forgiven this man his large debt found out about that, he was cast out into a, a place of, of agony. There's so much in that story of a, of a man who's unable to find Sabbath rest, unable to find mercy and, and forgive others, that is, reminds me of the age we live in right now, an age where every single demand, every single debt must be repaid. We must get what we're owed. Um, and starting in not being a transformed people because we have received God's mercy and God's forgiveness. So, how do we do that? Well, we come to the table. We come to the place where we receive God's mercy. Again, mercy in the form of the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Come to the table and do the, do the gospel order here. Come to the table. 
receive God's mercy so that as you return to your seats, we might become a more merciful people. Just as your body, just as you receive a bread that you did not bake or make, so too do receive a mercy that you did not earn or, or create, that it comes to God, it comes to us from God. And just as food nourishes and energizes us, may we be people who are nourished and energized by God's mercy. Let's pray. Father, there's so much... The world is so cruel and merciless, Lord. It seems like we've completely forgotten how to be civil, how to work through our problems. On the national stage, in our schools, in our homes, We have forgotten that we are people who need your mercy and that we receive your mercy that we might become merciful. So Lord, as we come to the table this morning, may we experience afresh, just as Israel did, Israel did on the Day of Atonement, your forgiveness and your mercy. And as we return to our seats, may we do so, having received a mercy that we are eager to give to one another. For if our town, state, city, world needs anything right now, it's your mercy. Christ's name we ask this. Amen. Come to the table.